0: All right, good morning, Northview, and welcome on this beautiful Sunday morning. As uh, Robin mentioned last week, Esther is on a well-deserved vacation, so she's not up here uh, today. Um, I don't, don't know if we'll be able to bring quite the same level of energy as she does week after week, but we'll do our best. Uh, so please, uh, as you're able, please stand with us as we uh, worship together this morning.
1: (音楽) PIANO
2: PLAYS
0: We're so grateful to be uh, gathered together uh, near and far uh, in your presence, and so grateful to be able to worship you uh, and give you the praise and glory that you deserve. Just as you prepare our hearts this morning, uh, Lord, for for the message that you have for us, uh, Lord, we ask that you would come. Uh, We look forward to your coming again, Lord, but also just this morning, Uh, please come. Come to this place, uh, wherever we are, and, and just let your presence be known to us. As we, as we let you speak to us this morning. In your name, amen.
3: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. If you are watching at home, welcome, and good morning to you as well. Uh, we still have some stuff going on, which is awesome. Even though we're doing online and things are a little bit weird, Uh, We wanted to tell you some of what's going on at Northview right now. So, gentlemen, men's breakfast we're doing here on August 15th. Now, today is the last day to sign up because we need to get food ordered. It's a little bit different than before. It's not uh, a buffet like we've usually done. We're actually bringing in boxed breakfast. But if you head onto the website or onto the Church Center app, you can see how to sign up for that if you need some help. Let one of us know. We'd be glad to point you in the right direction. But we'd love to see you uh, on August 15th. That's next Saturday morning, a chance to come together, reconnect, hang out. I don't know about you guys, but some of the events that are going on lately, it's just more refreshing to come together than anything else and be able to, to talk and enjoy that. So we will be here on that day. Please sign
4: it's breakfast, too, which is awesome. Um, speaking of awesome, if you have kids here this morning, um, we have kids' church online that they can interact with either at home or they can interact with here at church um, with, like, an electronic device and um, headphones. And um, I realize I haven't really given the church, I guess, an update on what we're learning about, but the kids currently are learning about leadership and what that looks like as a follower of Christ. And it's kind of cool. Preschoolers are learning about Paul's journeys, and um, the older kids are learning about... Um, Service within a church, which is just really, really cool. So, that is what is going on with kids. Back to you, Rob. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> awesome. So,
3: this, the, the, over the summer, on Tuesday nights,
4: we've been meeting with middle
3: school and high school in the back parking lot here. It's been awesome. But, as happens with all good things, they must soon come to an end. We only have two more weeks um, of our Tuesday nights here in the back parking lot or live in the park church edition as we're calling it this tuesday uh, is going to look very similar to the last few weeks we're going to have some games we have one of our uh, volunteer leaders he's going to be sharing we have a student leading worship it's going to be awesome the 18th which is the last one we decided zeb and i were working on it last week and we decided it's not really just going to be a live in the park church edition it's three events rolled into one so earlier this summer we didn't get a chance to properly move up everybody in their grades usually we do that on a Sunday we have a big party upstairs and it's awesome so instead we're gonna add on to that night it's gonna be a move up Tuesday instead of a move up Sunday that's where all middle school and high school and even children's students um, will officially be recognized as the grade they're gonna be heading into in the fall we are also not able to go to Muckleteo Beach, as we usually do for our end-of-summer barbecue. Uh, They actually got ahead of us as we were kind of debating, are we able to go or not able to go? They reached out and said, you're not. That's a bummer. But we figured, you know what? Just because we can't go to Mukilteo doesn't mean we can't break out the barbecue, so we're going to break out the barbecue there too. So we're having end-of-summer barbecue, move-up Tuesday, and the final Alive in the Park Church Edition all in one night. It's going to be a little longer that last night. going to be 6.30 to 8.30 instead of 8 o'clock because there's a lot going on. We have stuff to give away. We're planning games. I don't want to give too much away, but there will be a dunk tank.
4: We're also looking for volunteers, um, if anyone no, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, like in the past, we uh, are not passing buckets, but we do have options to give online, and we also have offering boxes in the back, and you can also mail in as well if that is your preference. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and pray for our ties and offering this morning, if you join me. Um, Lord, thank you so much that we are um, able to gather, Lord, and um, we thank you for your presence. And, um, God, we just ask that um, you stir in our hearts, Lord, of of how you want us to serve and how you want us to give. And, um, and God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are a good God who provides for us. Um, We thank you for this morning in your name. Amen.
5: All right, good morning. Hey, take your Bibles and uh, turn to Psalm 89. That's where we're going to be this morning, and uh, we'll track through that. So it's a little bit of a chunk, but uh, if you're watching online or you're here, uh, just follow along this morning. Uh, let's begin with several what I would call reflective questions, right? Uh, when it comes to your prayer life, when when you've spent praying, has there ever been a time when you're praying And the heavens have kind of felt like bronze, right? Like just doink, right? And your prayer just didn't go anywhere. Uh, Has it ever felt like God has forgotten you? Like he doesn't remember who you are anymore, right? As you're praying. Um, Have you ever had a season where you felt really blessed and then it all disappeared, right? Ever had one of those or... Uh, has it ever felt like God is hiding himself from you? Like you feel like you're chasing him all the time and you can't quite catch up to him and he's playing a game of hide and seek with you and you're, you're trying to find him. Well, uh, we're going to look at some of that this morning uh, with some of the situations that were involved in Psalm 89. And just uh, this morning has to do with expectations, all right? And uh, we have very high expectations uh, not only of ourselves but of other people and also of God and so we're going to look at that this morning so let's pray and then we'll take a crack at Psalm 89. Father in heaven thank you for this morning, thanks for everyone who's watching thanks for everyone who's here Lord we seek you to be at work uh, it's a wonderful thing to know you're not limited by this building you can be everywhere we've got people watching all over the country and so as as you're doing that uh, you can make the connects uh, and I pray that So we we walk through Psalm 89, Lord, you will make some specific life adjustment things in our heads, especially in terms of our expectations and how it has to go. We seek you for that and ask this in your name. Amen. Okay. So when I ask those questions this morning, every Christian, if, if you've walked with the Lord any length of time, every Christian has experienced what I would call blank periods between them and the Lord. There's seasons when you feel like it's really connected and really happening. And, and then there's other periods where like, it seems like you're praying in the vacuum and nobody's really listening at all. Some of these are just minor pauses, right? They're just minor blips on the scale. We don't really think too much of them or pay too much attention. Uh, some, are, some linger for longer, a day or two. Some, uh, some are seasonal. Right? Like you go through a period, like you go through a fall or a winter, you know, the winter of our discontent, that kind of thing. Um, but some are what the ancients would call desert experiences, which are a prolonged season. Uh, if you think of a desert, a desert's a place of drought. right? A desert is a place of dryness. And um, these would best be understood as prolonged periods of silence. Where there's some critical needs, there's some urgent things happening, and you just hear nothing back. And what do you do with that? Uh, would it would it help you to know that even people like David and Asaph ran into seasons like that, right? So it's nice to know that others have run into that. That we consider, you know, the spiritual giants kind of people, they've run into the same kind of stuff. So that's good. Uh, they saw the day of trouble coming and they implored the Lord to do something. You know, in essence, don't you see? Don't don't you care? We would have never said that to the Lord, right? Um, they, They wrestled with them every bit as much as we do. And that's what gets caught in the Psalms is, if you're just reading through, one of the problems in reading the Psalms is, we're removed from the circumstance. So we don't feel the tension or the pressure of it. We just go, da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay. Did I like the way he wrote that? No. Okay. On to the next Psalm. Right? But when you start understanding the tension and the circumstance they went through, you start realizing they experienced things very similar to what we experienced. So we're looking at um, Psalm 89 this morning. And you're going to find that the exhortation is, keep your faith in the Lord no matter what. Right? Keep your faith in the Lord. No matter what. Uh, Psalm 89 was written by Ethan the Ezraite. Like always, we should pause and just ask our question, who was Ethan the Ezraite, right? So uh, he was one of the musicians like Asaph and Jaduthin and several others, Heman, that we have looked at already. Uh, He was one of those guys. And uh, he was also known as being a very wise man. So much so that uh, when trying to explain how wise Solomon was, it was uh, described with this caveat. He, Solomon, was wiser than Ethan the Ezraite or Haman, Kelko, and Darda, three brothers that were apparently really wise as well. So he's not Solomon, but he's up there somewhere because, right, this guy, Solomon's even wiser than this guy, and this guy really was wise. So that's who Ethan was. Uh, He wrote this psalm during a time of trouble. uh, During the time of King David. And what you find out is he's very aware of the promises that God made to King David. And so uh, he's going through and he's leveraging those promises in his plea. Have you ever done that? You know, God, you've promised. You know, God, you said. You know, God, in so and so it says such and such... And you're obligated, right? Well, that's exactly what he's doing here. So let's take a look at this together. We'll start with verse 1. Here's how he starts. The psalm starts out like this. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said steadfast love will be built up. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. Now remember the psalms were songs. We don't think of that right. Anybody remember Maranatha music? remember? I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. Remember that, right? What? You've never been to camp? Come on. That was, that was all of you over 40 Go, yeah, that's awesome, right? Okay, that, that's, that's where they came. So what a lot of musicians today have done is the Psalms were once music, then we're left with the text, and now they're putting them back to music, right? It'd be fascinating to go to heaven and see what they really sounded like. I, I just think it'll be incredible. But uh, Ethan is saying, I'm going to tell all generations through this psalm of your steadfast love and faithfulness. And again, notice that this emphasis, you're going to see this through this whole psalm, uh, it's emphasized multiple times, of God's hesed or steadfast and faithful love. God's steadfast love and faithfulness will last forever despite past or current circumstances. And that's the thing we've got to lock in today. We so lock into our present as if no other generation ever experienced this kind of thing. That's not true, all right? Other generations experience stuff and they experience things far worse than what we're experiencing right now. But again, all of this is connected to God's promises to David. So watch how he rolls this out. In Psalm 3, or verse 3, he says, you have said, i made a covenant with my chosen one. I swore to David, my servant, I will establish your offspring forever. And build your throne for all generations. I.e. it's never going away. And Ethan here is reflecting on these incredible promises. And notice what he says. God, you promised him. You promised David. Here's what you told him. Okay? You said it would last forever. And then he goes from the greatness of the promises to the greatness of the one who made the promise. Right? Look at verse 5. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can compare to the Lord? And who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him. Uh, if you've read Michael Heiser's book, The Unseen Realm, you immediately recognize this is the, some of the verses describing the divine counsel, right? And what takes place up in heaven there. And it's saying there's no one like Yahweh. There is no one above Yahweh. There's no one as awesome as Yahweh. There is no one who should be feared like Yahweh in all the entire universe. O Lord of hosts, who is as mighty as you are with your faithfulness all around you? You rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise. You still them. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. I like that. That's just descriptive, right? Right? you scattered your enemies with your mighty arm the heavens are yours the earth is also yours the world and all that is in it you have founded them and here Ethan is just painting this picture of god being wrapped up or or garbed in other words think of being clothed with light clothed with holiness uh, clothed with faithfulness and power Uh, in canaanite mythology of course this is where uh, israel was the sea was a source of trouble and chaos Uh, The Mediterranean is notorious for the storms that happen on it. Um, Just nasty storms that come blowing out of the northeast. And uh, you read about it in the book of Acts, but uh, just destructive storms. And that's where a lot of this came from. Rahab and Leviathan were the source or entities that stirred up the seas. So they're seen as uh, demonic creatures, entities. And God's power is so great that he crushes Rahab like a carcass. Yahweh is again the maker of the heavens and earth and everything that is in them. Let's proceed on to verse 12. The north and the south, you've created them. Tabor and Hermon, joyously praise your name. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand. High, your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Uh, again, just a piece, some geography, right? Mount Hermon is in the north of Israel, and then Mount Tabor is down in the southwest. So literally saying, you cover the whole country from north to south. That's really what that's laying out there. And uh, again, he's extolling God's power. He's highlighting God's goodness. God is righteous and a faithful God. His steadfast, Hesed love and faithfulness go before him, especially for Israel. Look at how now he he talks about Israel. Verse 15. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout. Who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face. Who exalt your name all the day. And in your righteousness are exalted. It's talking here about the nation of Israel. For you are the glory of their strength. And by your favor our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. And the picture here is of Israel. We've seen this picture before, gathering up to the temple. Israel, of course, was strong in the era of David and Solomon, right? Powerful. They defeated their enemies, and uh, they were victorious, but not because of their own strength or righteousness, but because of God's strength and righteousness. And God really went out of his way to underline that. If you've ever read the book of Deuteronomy, you see this laid out in spades uh, for them. Because he says, it, it will not be you who drive out these nations. I will drive these nations out before you. And he goes as far as to say, I will send the hornet and the wasp ahead of you uh, to drive them out. And so God was really the one who drove them out. And Ethan's reminding himself and God of what he said in Deuteronomy 9. God told them that when you enter the land, don't think it's because you're so righteous. Right, Uh, We can kind of get that way sometimes, right? Yeah, man, I'm hot stuff. I'm spiritual. (gasps) Me and Jesus, tight, right? We can get that way. And he's going, no, no, you weren't spiritual because you're you're spiritual because I helped you. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right, oops. God told him, don't think you're so righteous that that's why you got the victory. No, it was because of the wickedness of those nations and the fact that I, God, fought for you. And that's where Ethan's saying our, our shield is the Lord. Our shield belongs to God. He's saying God is the, our shield. God is our great protector. This will be very important here in a few minutes. Okay? So in other words, God himself is the shield. Um, so let's keep going. Verse 19. Of old you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said, I have granted help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David my servant with my holy oil i have anointed him so that my hand shall be established with him and my arm shall also strengthen him so david's the man right if there was ever a guy in scripture who had god's hand on him had god's blessing on him it's david he's the lord's anointed he was established by the lord and yahweh empowered him look at look at what it says about this look at verse 22 The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him. Strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him. And in my name shall his horn be exalted. In other words, I'm going to make David a stud. And David is going to be a godly giant because of what I promised to him, what I gave to him. So this is really powerful stuff these are amazing and powerful statements of support and aid that god said he would grant david you ever wondered or wish that he had done that for you right i'm gonna make you stand i'll make you i'll be your shield i'm gonna right well read some of the new testament that's all in there but what he's saying is david will be smarter more clever than his enemies don't you wish that would be true right i always think of good answers 20 minutes after Right? I don't know about you, but yeah. Uh, but he will be a champion, which which he was, right? Listen to how this rolls out. Uh, verse 25, I'll set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation, and I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. goes on to say in verse 28, My steadfast love will keep him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever and his throne as the days of heavens. And God goes beyond that. He doesn't just talk about David. but Then he talks about his offspring. Ethan recounts these promises. He says this, uh, If his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false uh, to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. That's powerful. Think about that. That means I'm going to stay faithful to David even if his kids botch it. Now, did his kids botch it? Any of you read through the old story? Any of you read 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, right? Yikes! Right? Yikes. And yet God held faithful in that. And through the line of David came, who we know as the Lord Jesus, and there will be a son of David on the throne for all eternity. Because God kept his promise. So when you're, okay, so we kind of plowed through that. All right? That's a lot of verses. And and Psalm 89 is a rather long psalm. So we plowed through that. And this is, as you read it, this is a stock description and retelling of God's promises to Israel and to David specifically, right? You've heard that before. That's like, oh yeah, that, don't, 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 right? He just ticks right through all the categories. And it reads exactly like you would expect it to. God is good. God is good to Israel. God will protect and bless Israel because of his promise, promises to and adoption of David as his son. And David would never lack for a man sitting on the throne. And the promise will hold true even if his sons forsake Yahweh. uh, God will follow through and be faithful. Uh, Seven times in this psalm, in this short section that we just read, God's hesed or steadfast love and faithfulness is mentioned. So the greatness in the psalm isn't David. The greatness in the psalm is who? God. Yeah. Okay. So this is underlying and emphasizing God's Uh, Covenant-keeping ability. Look at the next verses, verse 35. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness. In other words, there's no one higher for God to swear by than himself. In other words, God wants to keep his word. What does he say? I will tell myself that I'm going to keep my word. That's That's his promise, is by himself. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness. I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever, his throne as long as the sun before me. So that, as far as we're concerned, the sun goes on forever, right? Good thing it comes up every day. It's going to be a beautiful day today. We expect that, right? All right, he's he's using this kind of imagery. Like the moon, it shall be established forever. Did you see the moon last night coming up over the horizon? Oh, it's gorgeous. This is orange moon. Like, wow, beautiful. Like the moon, it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. And here's what Ethan is saying about God. If you think the sun's something, you think the moon's something, that's nothing compared to the faithfulness of Yahweh. You, you expect the sun to come up every day, you, you expect the moon to show up every night, and you expect it to go through its seasons, crescents, you know, quarter, half, three quarters full, and you expect that to always be there, that's nothing compared to the faithfulness of God. Because he's the guy who hung them there. that's why it says think about it it's it's remember that old Chevy truck commercial like a rock like a rock ooh right I can't sing it okay but but that's what this is like it's saying God is like a rock, all right solid, unmovable, enduring the sun, the moon, the stars will vanish before God's promises do. Okay? so you see we're building a crescendo here we're building up and Yeah, this is how it works. This is how it goes. This is the way it... That's boom, right? We've got it. God has promised. So if that's true, what the heck is going on here? Right? Not just here, not just America 2020, but Ethan. Like, what happened? And why do I say that? Well, look at the next verses. Look at verse 38. But now, you've cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. That's unthinkable. How could you turn like that? You've renounced the covenant with your servant. You've defiled his crown in the dust. That's a descriptive picture, right? You have breached all his walls You've laid his strongholds in ruins. All who pass by plunder him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You've exalted the right hand of his foes. You've made his enemies rejoice. You've also turned back the edge of his sword, and you've not made him stand in battle. You've made a splendor to cease. You've cast his throne to the ground. You've cut short the days of his youth, and you have covered him with shame. And then there's that little word again, sh- sh- Selah. In other words, how in the world could this have happened? God, what happened to you? What happened to your promises? Where, where did they go? Look at what's happened. It's all fallen apart. It's not just... Fallen apart, it's been ripped apart. Talks about the walls being ripped down and, and thrown down. It's gone from good to bad to worse. And if you're in it, it's immensely painful to experience. And so, out of this, Ethan cries out, the psalmist cries out. He says this in verse 46. Any of you ever asked this question? How long, O Lord? Right? You could put more angst in it. How long, O oh, Lord? Will you hide yourself forever? Why? Because it feels like forever. It may have only been two days, but it feels like forever, right? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created all the children of man. What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? What this tells you is that Ethan himself, somewhere in this process, was probably in danger of his own life. Watching the whole thing, watching the enemies come, watching the invasion, whatever was taking place in that time, and he's realizing, I might get taken out here. This isn't just fun and games. I, I could get killed. Like, I might not make it. Ah How long, O oh Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Have you ever asked God that question? What is the appeal? Well, the appeal is simply this: Lord, I know you're forever, I'm not. I'm just a short human. Ethan's probably a man in his middle life, so he's probably somewhere between 30 to 45 at the time of writing, maybe 50 he's going, well, is this going to be the rest of my life? Is this what's left? Is this what I got to look for? It's all going to go down the chute? He says, remember, Lord, how short my life is. And I want to suggest this morning, for us gathered here, for us watching this morning and looking in and joining, this is probably where Asaph and Ethan and we all connect. You know, Lord... I only have one life. Do I have to suffer through all of it? Is this ever going to lift? Have any of you sat and said, how long is this COVID thing going to go? Any of you ready to be have it over like two months ago? Right? Like, I just read a report uh, this week. I try to keep up watching all this. Uh The suggestion was it may last for another 18 months. And I went, ooh what 18 months good grief i'll be in the grave by then holy cow you know i'm thinking man 18 wow i was just not ready for that right i had to actually stop and pray i'm thinking man i did not like that idea and uh ethan is wrestling with this it's troubling him he's looking at life and says man for what vanity have you created man in other words he's saying man as, a, as people, we, we think we're such hot stuff and the reality is we, God just gives us a short period of time and then we're gone. And he goes, man, that's vanity. What man can live and never see death? Who can rescue his soul from the power of Sheol? And I think one of the reasons we're so drawn, you know, it's to some of the biblical stories, for example, if you think of the story of Joseph, right? Why do we like that story so much? Well, one of the reasons we like that story so much is because the first half is terrible, right? I mean, his brothers are, hate him. Don't just not like him. They hate him. They, they plan to kill him. They throw him in a pit. He begs. They have no mercy whatsoever. They take and sell him to traitors. He gets hauled into Egypt. He gets put in the service of, of uh, Potiphar. And then his, Potiphar's wife jury-rigs the whole thing Wants to shack Joseph. Joseph won't do it. And instead of being rewarded for his righteousness, he gets thrown in jail. Right? And we're like, ugh. None of us would want to spend, you know, all that time in jail. 17 years, right? Yikes. But, but, here's the big, but, God remembers him, right? Pulls him out, and he becomes second in the land. We know the rest of story. The, the reason we like that is because uh, the second half is good. Joseph does well. He, he's rocking it, right? So if we got to go through a little bit of bad for some really good good, okay, that, that's a good idea. Um, one of the reasons we're not so drawn to Jeremiah, the prophet, is because it just went from bad to worse through his whole ministry, right? He started, and it was downhill from there. And every time he spoke, it just got worse. As a matter of fact, they came to him at the end when everything was shattered and destroyed. And they said, look, we need to hear from the Lord. We, we're in trouble. Uh, and if, if you tell us what the Lord tells us to do, we will do exactly what you say. We promise. He says, you're sure? Yes. All right. So he goes to the Lord. The Lord gives him a word. He comes back and he says, you should not go down to Egypt. And you know what they say to him? You liar you liar, and and Barak put you up to this, that's uh, Joseph, or uh, sorry, Jeremiah's secretary, and uh, you liar, you and Barak are, we're going, and not only are we going to Egypt, we're we're dragging you with us, and so Jeremiah, the faithful prophet of Israel, ends up dying in Egypt. Not the kind of legacy we really like, right? Where we lose it all? Uh, Paul, is intriguing to us because it's a life of suffering and triumph, both at the same time. So we can do that, right? Yeah, there's some losses, but there's some great wins. And there's miracles, and there's that kind of stuff. So, so Paul is um, kind of fascinating for us, but none of us would volunteer for that, right? None of us would stand there going, ooh, ooh, pick me. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Uh, no, right? Ethan like Asaph, is looking at the wreckage and the debris and and knowing it's not going to get better in his lifetime is asking a very pertinent question, one that we're all asking ourselves today. Lord, do I really have to go through this with my one and only precious life? I had such great plans. There were such good things happening. We had it so set up. And right, Ugh. oh, I want to go somewhere. I can't go anywhere. Any of you, you're hiding behind your mask. ha ah. <laughs> right. Any of you feel that? And he says this in verse forty-nine. Listen to this, Lord. Where is your steadfast love from old? which by your faithfulness you swore to David. God, what happened to it? Where'd you go? Are, are we just left here on our own? What's up? And besides that, God, it doesn't really look like you're winning. You said we'd be victorious. We're not, right? Does it look like we're winning anything in our culture today? No. If you read... MSN and the news, we don't even exist other than we're germ-spreading factories. Right? Where are you? Why don't you answer? More than that, why don't you rescue? You did it back then. Why don't you do it now? It shouldn't be so shocking to us. We're asking the very same questions today, right now. How long, Lord, how long does this go? How long do I got to keep this stupid mask on? All right. Not only how long is this COVID-19 thing going to last, but is it going to get worse? Is, is, this the, is this the preemptor to other things? Is it not going to get better or is it going to get worse? And if so, here's our human side. If so, how much? Because I kind of think if you tell me how much, maybe I'll decide if I can go through it or not, right? But as humans, we're fantastic at devising what I call exit plans. One of the things that uh, uh, Nate Hedding uh, is uh, our uh, area director for Converge Northwest, and one of the things he's been talking to guys about and finding out is that almost every pastor he's talked to has an exit plan out of ministry right now. You know why? Because it ain't looking good. And they're figuring out how to get to Idaho, how to get out of Seattle, how to get away from the ministry because it ain't looking good for people who are called pastors these days. Right? Does that mean that's true for just pastors? No, <laughs> no, no. We're all trying to think of an exit plan, right? That's part of the deal here. And there's another aspect uh, that's even more troubling. Look at verse 50. Troubles aren't, they're bad, but you can deal with them. But then Ethan says this, Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked, and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations to which your enemies mock, in which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. The most galling thing was the mocking of, where's your big God? Where's your, you know... And this is entirely true of the attitude of our culture towards the Lord today. Look at what they're saying, Ethan is saying. Stop them. Do something. Why aren't you fighting for us? Maybe an even more important question is, why don't you rescue us? Don't you hear what they're saying about you? God, don't you watch the news? Kind of, they didn't have you know, that stuff back then, but that's what he's kind of saying. You're ridiculed, you're mocked. They make fun of you. They deride you. They maliciously accuse you of all kinds of crooked and nasty motives. They contemptuously dismiss you as if you're not even a factor. Why don't you protect your great name? Why don't you protect us? Ethan, like Asaph, doesn't leave it there. He comes to resolution. And the last verse in the text is the most telling it's not very long. And it's not very big. But look at what it says. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Okay, after he goes through the whole thing, he says, well, it doesn't matter which way it shakes. It doesn't matter which way it goes. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. In spite of it all, Ethan submits himself back to the Lord. He gives himself to the Lord. Notice the double amen there. Amen means so be it. Right? We would uh, we'd use double exclamation points. That's how we'd do it today. Bang, bang, right? So be it. We asked the question last week, what if it doesn't get better? Well, let's ask it again this way this week. Are you willing to stick with Jesus, to trust him, even if you have to suffer for it? You do know that suffering is part of the Christian's DNA. Look at Romans 8. I'll read it for you. It says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And we all know those verses, right? We're adopted, we're sons. It's wonderful. What's the rest of the verse, though? We leave that little tail end of the verse off. What does it say? It says this, Provided we are all these things, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided, key word, that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Philippians 2 says this, For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ. You should not only believe in him, that's important, but you should also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. First Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And then first Peter verse 19, 419 says, This, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will, entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And that's where Ethan land. He entrusted his soul back to Yahweh. He said, at the end of it, may the Lord be blessed forever. Amen and amen. So here's what I'm saying this morning. We are not guaranteed that things will get better. We hope things will get better. Certainly we can pray that things will get better. It would be wonderful if things got better. But we are not guaranteed that things will get better. And here's the other side of it. God is in the good and in the bad. Hear that. God is in the good and in the bad. He promises to turn all things to good. It, he does not say that all things that happen to us will be good. He says he will turn them to good. So let's just get over that, okay? Let's say it's not going to wind out the way we demand that it winds out. Therefore, what's our, what's our goal? How do we react then? Well, we react the same way, Ethan. It should, therefore, we make it our aim to please the Lord, regardless if it's good or bad. We walk with him when it's good. We walk with him when it's bad. We rejoice in Him as good. We praise Him when it's bad. Because we know He's over that. Our answer, like Ethan's, needs to be, Blessed be the Lord forever, regardless of the circumstances. Amen and amen. Amen, church? Amen. Amen, Amen, church out there? Amen. Let's pray. Father, not a message any of us like, and not one we'd lean into readily but it's all through your word and we know it we know in our heart and spirit this is true and right we know this is what you were called to Lord Jesus and you didn't shirk your responsibility and you modeled it for us and we know that um, apart from you coming to rescue us Lord that we will go through this and so uh, we seek you for that amen we seek you that we would continue to bless your name forever and ever we seek you That you'd help us stand in times of trouble. We seek you that we would have faith and confidence in spite of things going wrong. And Lord, lastly, we would pray that you give us your joy. That in spite of things not going well, we could have joy in you. Lord, joy is a choice. It's a choice we have to make regardless of our circumstances. Help us to choose joy. And we seek you for that in your name. Amen
0: amen please stand as you're able as we close the service in song
1: give me eyes to see more of who you are.
5: Let's pray, Father. Thank you. Underline, emphasize your word to us. Help us stand in strength and courage. Bolster us. We seek you for a time such as this. We recognize Ethan's complaint. Sounds like us. Help us to do the amen double. We give that to you, great hope in your name. Amen. All right, gang. Hey, we're going to ask the same favor of you we asked last week. Uh, If you could, as the service was ending again, we sanitized everything. And so if you'd head out either that door or this door so we don't have to redo it, that would be really appreciated. Thank you.